Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. What I say today that we may be full of your spirit by the time that we're done. In your name I pray, amen. Again, I just want to thank you for coming out today. Wow, praise God. Thank you for your faithfulness. That just means more to me than you can imagine. Um, I, I'm a little uh, frustrated with Will because he stole my joke. Thank you, Will. But I'm going to say it anyway. I haven't seen you guys all year. Oh, I didn't get the laughter that Will got, but that's fine. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's an old joke, right? Yeah. So uh, I just uh, we we were able to go down to Georgia and uh, uh, dump my son off, uh, and uh, he's doing well. He's in school. He's been calling us, and when he calls us, mom, he's a little sad. When he calls me, he needs money, and so <laughs> we we've already figured out how he does things. Uh, but we certainly miss him, and we missed him on the drums today. Uh, we're going to pray for a drummer. Uh, we're going to be working on uh, uh, revamping this cage where it looks a little bit better. And uh, we got some things in work. And I, I want you to know that I've ordered the carpet. Uh, the carpet will be here uh, by the end of January, supposedly. And we're going to start installing the carpet pretty soon. Isn't that going to be awesome? Praise God. It's going to be, amen. So I want you to think about what's going on. We bought new chairs. Remember that? And now we bought carpet. This is a pretty big deal. And so uh, if we can just get this water thing taken off, we'll be a perfect church, right? So, uh, and we're also doing some remodeling upstairs in our parsonage. I do want to announce we're going to be having a youth event, uh, not this Friday, but the next Friday, uh, where we're bringing in some, some uh, young people from Tennessee, not the same that was here a couple years ago, but it's different ones. And they're going to be ministering to our young people the Sunday morning, uh, they're going to be ministering to the church at large. So I want you to make sure that if uh, we have teenagers or young adults, they're also invited, that they're a part of that. I, I know this young couple. Uh, they're a great young couple. They have a heart for the Lord, and I believe they're going to do a great job. Amen? Amen. So let me ask you a question as we get started. How many have broken their New Year's resolutions already? Yes. Thank you for being honest. Mine was to lose weight and to exercise more. First day, broke. <laughs> First day, broke. And, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to be okay with this. I'm going to be able to do this. But no, it just, I was already, you know, couldn't do it. I was already not, not making it. And, uh, uh, you know, things come up, right? Like in my heart, I want to exercise. And in my heart, I'm, I see myself doing 100 push-ups. I, okay, somebody was fascinated by that. <laughs> like, I don't think so, Pastor. <laughs> I look at you. And so I saw myself doing 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups every day. I saw myself, you know, running. Seriously. <laughs> you guys, no, Pastor, no, I don't see that. I saw myself walking my dog. I saw myself doing all these things. And then, then reality hit <laughs> and life hit, and I did nothing, <laughs> Right? 
And, and we've all been there, right? We've all had these situations where we, we have these visions or these goals or these aspirations that we're going to do something, and the reality is sets in and life sets in, and we don't end up meeting those expectations, do we? And, and, and sometimes it can be a little discouraging, and, and we feel like a failure. And I want you to understand this morning that sometimes we set some spiritual goals and we don't meet them. Sometimes there's things that we want to do spiritually and we don't make it. And so this whole series this month is I Resolve To. That's what I want you to know. We have to be determined when we serve the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect all the time, right? Is anybody in this room perfect? Nobody's raising their hand. Good. I was going to be intimidated if they were, <laughs> right? I'm not perfect either. But what we do, brothers and sisters, is we realize, we realize and we understand that we have to have a determination to serve the Lord. We have to have a determination to serve God. And even though you fail, we get back up again. Amen? Even though you, is, let me give you this verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13. I want you to read this with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. It says, be on the alert. This is a different version up here, but that's okay. Let me read what it says up here. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. I'm going to read that to you again. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. If we're in a time now that we have to no longer just think we can just get by based on our merit or based on what we did yesterday or based on what our relatives did, we have to individually and collectively make a decision that we are going to stand fast in the faith. We have to make that decision. No one could do it for you. If I could, I would put in something that requires you to do that because I want you to experience the fullness of God, but I can't do that. As a matter of fact, the Lord doesn't want that. He wants you to serve him out of your own volition. He wants you to serve him out of your own, uh, your own heart. And so therefore, we have to make that determination to stand fast. In other words, we're going to be moved sometimes, we're going to be troubled sometimes, but we have to be determined to make it to the end. Amen? That also applies to us as a church. This church, collectively, we need to stand fast. We need to stand together. Amen? We need to be together. Amen? We don't need to fall away or think we can go off and be on our own. We need to stand together and have each other's back and pray for one another and realize that we are in this together. Amen? You don't need to be alone. We are in this together. And if you feel alone this morning, praise God, I want you to know you are not alone. Amen? You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You are surrounded by your brothers and sisters. We are here for you. You are here for me. And we will get through this together. Amen? 
The lie of the enemy wants to separate you. He wants you to be alone. He wants you to think you can do it on your own. That's not scriptural. Everywhere scripture talks about it, it talks about coming together. It talks about being together. It talks about fellowship, amen? And when the church comes together, we are a powerful force. We are a force that the devil cannot contend with. That's why he's trying to break us up. That's why he's trying to bring us down. That's why he creates obstacles on your path because he knows the power that lies within us, which is the Holy Spirit. He knows what the church can do. He knows what the church can accomplish because the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Think about there for a moment. In the old days when they were going to attack a city, they would always have to get through the gates. and The gates were the most reinforced part of the city. And I will tell you that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen? As people are entering hell, we will reach down and we will pluck them out. Amen? We will say, do not go in there. Come with us. Come with us. Praise God. Praise God. I feel his anointing this morning. And I'm telling you, God is in this place. God is with us. And we are the church. Amen? We are the church. And we need to be together. For all the things about church, we have one simple mission. One simple mission. We need to remember, I'm going to remind you of this. I'm going to remind you of it. And I'm going to remind you of it. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Let's read that together. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. What's that first word there? Go, right? It's an action word, right? Does, does go mean stay? Does it mean... Does it mean, like, put your blanket over your head and pretend like nothing's happening? Does it mean hide out in your house because you're afraid of everything? Does it mean only stay in Juno? What does it say? Go. I want to tell you something. This is something the churches are not fulfilling today. Churches are not going Churches are not going. People are just showing up to church. They're checking in. They're doing what they think that they need to do just to get by. And that is not the commandment of God. We have a simple mission, and that word can be summed up in one word. It says, go. Go. Go, therefore. Go, therefore. And make disciples of all nations. He wants us to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And there's three things that he wants us to do. First of all, he wants us to go into all the world. That involves missions. That means missions. He wants us to go and he wants to reach to the uttermost part of the earth. In this past year, we have taken care of an orphanage in Guatemala. We have sent Bibles to Pakistan. We are reaching all over the world with our podcast. Over 75 countries we are reaching. Brothers and sisters, we are going into the world. Praise God. When you support this church, we are going into the world. Now, not everybody's able to go into all the world. But when you contribute, when you contribute, when you give to the church, you are a part of that going. But some of you, God is calling to go yourself. We're going to be doing a mission trip hopefully this year. We'll see how things go. And I believe that God is calling some of you to go. 
God is calling some of you go. You feel that? We need, we need ministers in the villages. The villages right now are having a hard time keeping pastors. We need ministers in the villages. We need ministers in the northern Alaskan villages. We need people who are willing to go. Amen. That is the mission of the church. I'm here to make disciples of you. I'm here to get you to follow Christ. And I'm here to baptize you in water. If you haven't been baptized in water, I want you to let me know. We'll baptize you. I'm willing to dunk anybody. Amen. Whether or not I bring you up is a whole other story. <laughs> I'm willing. The baptism, we are to baptize them. Baptism is not a, a requirement for salvation. It is simply signifies the symbolic of being washed in his blood. Amen? But I want you to know this morning that we are facing a common enemy. The devil and his minions are working hard right now to twist Everything that God is saying to the church. It started out with Eve. Because the devil said to Eve, did God really say? Remember that? Genesis chapter 3. He said, did God really say that? And right now, the devil is saying to people who go to church, people who have been in church for a long time, he's speaking to them and they're listening to him. They're saying, well, did God really say that? Did God really do that? And I want to tell you that we are facing an enemy against doctrine. We are facing an enemy against the church and its theology. Theology is important because it signifies what we believe. Today, we are seeing a great falling away from the truth. It hurts my heart to say that, but I see it. It's happening in the church. And worse, the great falling away from the church is being led by churches. Let me explain what I mean. Music, worship, has become a focal point in churches. I'm not saying anything I haven't said before. Music and worship has become a focal point in churches to the point where worship leaders have become more important than the pastor. Now, I'm not saying that I'm more important than anybody else. Don't misunderstand me. But the office of the worship leader, the office of the worship pastor has been elevated higher than a pastor because people have this need to be entertained they call it worship, but it is not worship. It is entertainment. And I want to preach against that this morning. We don't need to come to be entertained in the house of God. We need to come to be fed in the house of God. We come to be challenged in the house of God. But when worship music lasts longer than the message, there's something wrong. There's something wrong when worship music takes over a church and the first thing you hear about a church is, well, they have a great worship program. That bothers me, brothers and sisters. It's not about the worship. It's about God, amen? It's about his word. It's about listening to what he has to say. It is not about an emotion. It's not about a feeling. It's about hearing the word of God. And the worship has caused the church to be imbalanced. Now, I'm going to make a correlation here. Some of you may have trouble hearing what I'm saying but did you know the devil was the music minister in heaven? Did you know that? Come on now. You guys see where I'm going with that, right? The devil was the music minister in heaven. And I'm not calling worship leaders devils. I'm just saying the devil comes in and he uses things to distract us from the word. You know, I remember the hymns that I used to sing growing up. Victory in Jesus, 
Victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. There was something poignant about those words. There was something emphatic about those words. Now, sometimes you listen to worship music, you don't know if they're talking about their boyfriend or God, amen? And I'm telling you, there's got to be a separation there. There's got to be something that says, Jesus is Lord, amen? Jesus is Lord. I remember one time, there was someone who sang music here, and it had a curse word in it. You remember that? And I said, we will never sing that song again here. Brothers and sisters, we've gotten too comfortable with praise music. And I'm preaching against this this morning because I want you to understand how things can come into a church and distract us. The word has been marginalized. There is a focus on things that sound spiritual, but they're not. And do you know why we get caught up in that? Because we don't know the word of God. We don't know the word of God. There's an absence of the word of God in our preaching. There's an absence of the word of God in our service. There's an absence of the word of God in churches. Their focus is about entertaining people. I'm seeing in churches lower their lights in kind of a club atmosphere when they're singing. Brothers and sisters, we have invited the devil into our church for the wrong reasons. Amen. The, church, the devil should never be allowed into the church. We become compromise the church has. Jesus wrote a letter to the church at Sardis. Revelations chapter 3 verse 1. Go with me there. Revelations chapter 3 verse 1. I'm waiting on them to bring it up here if they can because I think I put the wrong version on my notes. There we go. Thank you guys. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, this is part of the letters that was written by John, dictated to him by Jesus. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. See, I want you to know this morning, I want you to hear me, Jesus knows what we do. Come on now. You may think that Jesus is not noticing you and that you're kind of flying under the radar. And I want to tell you this morning, I want to emphatically tell you that Jesus sees everything. Now that can be good. Amen. And that can be bad. Because we like to justify our heart in some ways, don't we? We like to say, well, I'm okay, even though it doesn't line up with Scripture, don't we? We like to say that I'm okay doing this, even though the Scripture says don't do it. I'm going to tell you this morning, emphatically as I can, Jesus knows your heart. He knows my heart. He exposes our heart. So, when you stand before him in judgment, there's going to be no secrets. We all have secrets in this room, don't we? We don't, do we don't want anybody to know, right? We all do. I do. But Jesus knows everything. He knows our works. He knows when we support missions. Remember what the first thing was? Go therefore into all the world. This past year, you committed 
almost $22,000 to missions. Can I repeat that number? That's just a cost of shalom. You committed another 5000 to the church building in New Zealand. We've committed almost $30,000 to missions. That's incredible that this church can do that. That's incredible, right? But he knows when you support missions. See, missions is the heart of God. I remember going down to Casa Shalom and I was watching these kids who have no home and they've been rejected by their parents and their family. And these people were taking care of them and I remember feeling the heart of God. I remember God's heart just, I mean, you could just feel it knowing that, that our church was taking care of these kids, children we've not even met, but we did it. We're doing it, amen? We're doing it. Praise God. They, the the, the uh, orphanage had a shortfall this year. They didn't know how were they going to make payroll because they have people there who take care of things like their psychologists and dentists, and we help them meet their financial goal. This church did that. He knows when you support missions. He knows when we pray and we have a repentant heart. He knows when we harbor sin and we put on a face of religion. See, a lot of people, man, we like to put on that face. And I've seen it everywhere I go. We like to put on that face. I'm a Christian. I'm going to pretend like nothing's wrong. But we go home and we do things that we know we shouldn't do. We go home and act a way we shouldn't act. We go home and we, we act out in front of our family. Or we act out. We go to bars and we go do things that we know that are not right. We, and we, we, we do things that we know Jesus will be disappointed. And Jesus knows your heart. Amen? He knows your heart. Don't think that you can just do these things and get away with it and he doesn't know about it. He knows. That's why he's calling us. He also says that you have a reputation. You have a name. I always am conscious of the reputation that I have as a pastor. I'm always conscious of that. Now, sometimes I'm not good at that. I'll go into Fred Meyer's and they just frustrate me, <laughs> or Safeway, or I'll go to a restaurant and they just frustrate me. You ever go into a restaurant and they don't fill your tea glass? You know, I love, I love tea, and if I'm sitting there and I'm eating something hot, I got nothing to drink, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I get frustrated, right? But I'm, I'm very conscious of my reputation. And when someone says something about me that I believe not to be true, I do everything I can to correct that. There's sometimes you can't, especially because of social media. Have you noticed that? Man, I, I hate, I mean, social media is good, but it's also just really, yeah, it's a cesspool. There's been some things that's happened this past week, some people that have gone through some challenges and people supported them and they were attacked. I just want you to know, it's tough keeping up a reputation, amen? But Jesus said, I know your reputation, not because I read it on social media, but I know who you think you say you are. You know, the one thing I can count on in my relationship with my wife, my wife will always be honest with me, and I don't say that as a negative torture, I say it as a positive. I'll come in and I'll be excited. I says, well, what do you think? And she'll just 
tell me. <laughs> That's her job because she lets me know if I'm wrong. She lets me know if I need to be called out. And, and she's right. She's always right. And I say that in a positive way, nothing negative about her. But she also tells me when I'm right, when, I, when I'm down and I just need someone to lift me up. She's there for me. She lifts me up. She encourages me. She says, you can do this. See, Jesus knows our reputation. He knows the reputation of this church. And I want to say this. The church has to make a determination. Are we more concerned about what the world thinks about us or what God thinks about us? So many churches are more concerned about how they're viewed in the community. So many churches are more concerned about how they're viewed by the masses than how God views them. Can I tell you something that the world and the view of God will never, ever match? Listen to this verse in John chapter 15, verse 19. I want to read this to you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. It makes me nervous when I hear a church here in Juneau that's popular and everybody loves it. Am I speaking against that church? No, I'm just telling you. If the world, if we were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world, what's that word there? Hate. That's a pretty strong word, right? You ever been hated before? Does it feel good? Feels kind of bad, right? But Jesus wanted us to know that if we are the church that he wants us to be, if you are the person that God wants you to be, then those that are in the world will hate you. That's hard. That's a hard saying. That's a hard word. But that's how you know that you're living the right way, amen? That's how you know that you're being approved by God. That's how you know that God has pleased you because they don't really hate you. They hate what's inside of you, amen? They hate the light because the light exposes sin. And this church stands upon the word of God and we will expose sin. We will expose corruption. We will expose the things that are not of God, amen? So I do not expect the world to like us. I do not expect the world to be in favor of us. I expect us to be hated. And praise God, bring the hate, amen? Because I want God to approve of us. I want God to say that we are okay. I don't want her to go to a church that everybody thinks highly of because they're not living for God themselves. I want us to be a church that stands up as the voice of God and says, stop sinning, amen? Stop sinning. Praise God. See, the problem is, Here's where it's confusing. A lot of churches have the appearance of God, but they don't have the power. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, as they bring this verse up. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Let me read that again. Having a form of godliness, but denying is power. So what's a form of godliness? 
They get up and they sing about God, and it sounds good, but there's no power behind what's being said. And what I mean by power is I mean the power of God that calls to repentance, amen? The power of God that says you must change, you must live differently. If a song makes you feel good, it's not really doing its job because our job is supposed to call to repentance, amen? Listen, I'm not saying you're a bad person, but the Bible does say there's no one that's good. I'm not putting anybody down here. But we've got to have a heart of repentance. Every day I wake up and say, Lord, did I do anything wrong? Did I do anything that displeases you? Because I want to be righteous in your sight. Amen? See, I don't want anything to keep me out of heaven. I want to go to heaven. You know, here's a little secret, is I want you to go heaven with me. I don't want you to, to stand before God and say, hey, look, if somebody would have just told me, I would have changed. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm telling you. Okay? You're not going to have any excuses. No one who hears this is going to have any excuses. I'm telling you right now, the job of the church is to call people to repentance, amen? And it's not to get up and make you feel good. The only thing that we feel good about is that we're going to heaven one day when we follow him. The only thing we feel good about is knowing that he has saved us from our sin. And when we recognize that, then it's not about us, it's about him. That causes us to rejoice, amen? We have pure joy because the joy of the Lord is his strength, amen? Our strength, I'm telling you this morning, God has called the church to be the church, not a social club. Listen, if we were called to be a social club, this church would look a lot different. But I'm not interested in having a social club. You know what a social club does? A social club, social club, if I can say that correctly, a social club excludes members. A social club doesn't allow certain people to come. You have to be this or you have to be that. And the Bible says, anyone, come, 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 come. Come, a social club says you can't be a part of our elite group. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I've been to churches before where they said, well, you can't really be a part of this because you're this. And I thought, am I not a child of God? Am I not? Am I not bought by the blood? What is going on? I've been to churches where, where when my wife and I would go when I was the youth director for the state. We would go and the people would look at us like we didn't belong until they knew who we were. And then all of a sudden we were accepted. They looked at us and said, well, what are you doing here? What's wrong with you? Who, who are you? What's wrong? We don't trust you. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today that unless we're a church that is hospitable, we are nothing but a social club. Unless we're a church that is welcoming, all can come to the glory of God. All can come. And we, not, we can't be like those churches that say, oh, you can only come if you're invited. No, anybody can enter these doors. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a witch or a warlock. I don't care if they're gay. I don't care if they're a transvestite. I don't care. Come, come, come to the house of God. I would rather have a church full of sinners, the people think that, then for people to think that they're the only ones who belong there. Because God wants people in his church. See, Jesus said something. He says, back in that scriptures, I know you are works, and they say that you're alive, but you're actually dead. You know what that word dead means? Death 
means separation from God. Now, I'm going to lay this on you. Are you ready? That means the Spirit of God is not there. Come on now. Can you imagine going to a church and the Spirit of God not being there? Well, I felt something. What did you feel? Was it God or was it emotion? Did it cause you to change your heart? Did it cause you to repent? I'm telling you this morning from the bottom of my heart, I want you to see what God is looking for in these last days. He doesn't want you to come to church so that you can just check off a box. He wants you to come to church beating your chest saying, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not here to criticize anybody. I'm, this is a message for the church in general because too many people show up and say, okay, pastor, entertain me. I'm not here to entertain anybody. I'm here to please God, amen? I'm here to wake up. I'm here to wake up. See, the thing about, the thing about, well, about alarms, about waking up, Somebody told me this once. I don't remember going to sleep, but what I do remember is that alarm clock. Wake up. Does anybody else help, hate the alarm clock? This past week I was attending class. I'm in the process of pursuing advanced degrees in ministry because I want to be a better pastor to you, knowing the word. And this whole week, I had to be up at 3.15 in the morning to attend a class that started at 4 in the morning on the East Coast. The first day of Monday, man, I was ready. I was up. I was good. The next day, not so much. The next day, I didn't want to get up. The, third, the fourth day, the fifth day, I, I had to put toothpicks in my eyes to keep my eyes open. And then what would happen is they would take an hour and a half break at lunchtime. And I would just go on the couch and I would just sleep for an hour and a half. And then I had an alarm and I, hate, I wanted to toss my phone through the window at that point. I hate an alarm because it's jarring, right? It's unsettling. I hate that alarm. And, and I picked this tune on my, on my iPhone that has this little cheery tune. I'll try to reproduce it for you. Da, 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 da. And it's like, hey, Keith, wake up, wake up. You get up. I hate that song. Anybody else grumpy when they wake up? There's some people in my house that are grumpy. I'm not going to mention their names. I'm grumpy when I get up. The first thing I have is some coffee. I need something to stimulate me. Brothers and sisters, listen to me this morning as I say this. The Holy Spirit is calling to us now. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Get some coffee in you. It is time to rise and be the church, amen. It is time to step up and say, the Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. Dead means no life. No presence of God. Where has the church gone? It is amazing to me what has taken place of the gospel. Churches are preaching social justice. And, and, and it sounds good, right? It sounds 
Yes, we need social justice. We need everybody treated equally. We need everybody treated the right way. But can I tell you, this religion is not from God. Social justice is not from God because it doesn't preach repentance. It thinks that we can change things based on our own actions, and you cannot. You want social justice in the church? Then people need to have a relationship with Jesus because the Bible says to love your brother. And if you don't love your brother, you're a liar. Amen? Then that means as a brother, everyone in here is a brother to me regardless of your age, regardless of your color, regardless of your gender, regardless if you're confused about your gender. I am still to love you and not hate. Too long the church is hate and we've turned to this religion of social justice and I'm preaching against this morning. It doesn't matter what lives matter. I'm telling you that all all lives matter in the gospel of Jesus. We are to love everybody. Amen? If a homosexual or transgender walks through that door right now, we don't need to cauterize at them. We need to put our arm around them and say, welcome to the house of God. If a drug addict comes through that door, we put our arm around them and we say, welcome to the house of God. And if a homeless person comes, we put our arm around them and we welcome them to the house of God. If a child molester walks into that room, we put our arm around them when we say, welcome to the house of God. Now, that doesn't mean we give them free reign in the church, obviously. I mean, we wouldn't do that. But we still love people, amen? We don't have agendas. I keep reading when I was looking this up, I keep reading about how people are saying Jesus was about social justice. Nowhere in Scripture does it support that. Nowhere does it support that. You can, you can try to extrapolate places where he did that. No, you know what Jesus was about? Jesus said, I have come to heal. Amen? I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. I have come to do these things. It's not about social justice. It's about healing. It's about bringing uh, people who are hurting and letting them know it's going to be okay. It's about restoring that relationship to the Father. The problem is if you're not familiar with Scripture, you would think all of that sounds true because it sounds good. It sounds good. It sounds like something you wouldn't be a part of. But if we really want equality, we would recognize that it is Jesus that brings equality. See, it was Jesus who reached out to other races. It was Jesus that reached out to the Samaritan woman. It was Jesus that reached out and talked to Samaritans and other Gentiles and the, and the Roman soldiers. He was the one who did that. It was Jesus who elevated the role of women. You know what I love? And I, I reemphasize in, in my class this week. You know who the first evangelist was? Mary Magdalene. It wasn't a man. We, listen, Jesus is about everybody serving him. But it was Mary Magdalene that Jesus appeared to. And it was Mary that Jesus said, go and tell my brothers, amen? Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what gender you are. Jesus has elevated you that we're all equal in his sight. We don't have to work on equality. There is equality in the house of God when we follow Jesus. The mainstream church is embracing alternative lifestyles. Eliminating the blood from their songs. 
You go to some churches, they've taken out hymns that have the reference to the blood. These churches, when I'm going to say it, these churches that do this, they're dead. And I'm going to tell you something else. Just because the church claims to be Pentecostal doesn't mean that it's not dead. Come on. It's a hard message this morning, isn't it? But I want you to know what God wants from us. He wants us to be that church that embraces the Spirit of God. He wants us to be that church that goes. He wants us to be that church that loves people no matter what. We don't need to hate on anybody. We need to love them. We need to care about them. We're almost done, guys. You guys have been great. I appreciate you. I know there's going to be a mad dash for the door. (laughs) Amen. I've only got one more hour left in this message. (laughs) Amen. Are you being blessed by God today? Amen. You have no idea how much I appreciate you being here. I appreciate all of you who are watching online. You know, this is not anything we're not used to, watching online. Amen? It's just, sometimes we just got to be a different, right? We're prepared for this. So what do we do? How do we not be like those churches? Churches, there's this new buzzword right now in churches, and you'll you'll hear it a lot if you're in church. You're not going to hear it here. Is that churches want community. And that community is somehow a replacement for godly fellowship. And these things concern me. Because church is not about community, it's about God. And when you have God, the relationships come. Amen? So I'm attacking everything this morning. I'm just... I'm not mad, I'm just, praise God, I want God to move in churches, because this church alone cannot minister to all of Juneau. We need all the churches in Juneau to come together, amen? We need all the people to have a heart for God, and I pray that, that this morning pastors get up in the pulpit and they preach the whole word of God. I don't care if they're Lutheran, Methodist, or, or Pentecostal, we need the word of God preached. So what do we do? Revelations chapter 2, excuse me, 3, verses 2 through 3. What do we do? See that first two words there? Be watchful. Be watchful. I remember I was up in Barrow, and uh, Barrow is an amazing place. Has anybody else been to Barrow besides me? Barrow is incredible. But they have a little nuisance problem up there. They have what they call polar bears. Polar bears come right into town. And, and if you're not careful, they'll, they'll take you. They, they actually hunt humans. And so if you go to, uh, to Barrow and you go into the hotel, there's signs all over the hotel, don't wander off by yourself because a polar bear will eat you. And I thought to myself, that's good advice. I'm not going to wander off by myself. And one of the people that was with me wanted to do that. And I said, did you not see the sign here? Oh, that can't be true. It is true. Why would they have the sign? There's polar bears up here. Has anybody ever seen a polar bear up close? 
I've, I've never seen a polar bear in the entire time I've, I've been around. I've never seen I've seen bears up close, but not polar bears. A good distance between me and a bear is me and the car. That's how I look at it. But the Bible says, and I remember, let me get back to this point. I remember that anytime I even just walked out to my car, I'd be like this. Mr. Polar Bear. All right, we're good. And I'd get in the car. I was watchful. I was cognizant. I was, I didn't want to just walk away or walk around without realizing that something could come and attack me. They told me the story of how a man went off in, in the Prudhoe Bay and he went off and smoked by himself and he didn't return and they went and looked at where he was at and he was drug off. He was taken by a bear because he wasn't watchful. The Bible said that the devil is like a roaring lion going around seeking whom he may devour. We devour. We have to be watchful. And don't think for a moment that the devil is not going to target you. He will. He's coming after you. He is coming after you. He's coming after you. But praise God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Hallelujah. And strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Listen, that's not an indictment. But we have to admit that the church as whole across this country is compromised. We're compromised. We need to repent before God and make sure things are right. We've got to be sure. The next verse, verse 3. Remember. That's the first word there. Remember. Remember. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, you will not watch. If you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Brothers and sisters, we have to watch, and we have to remember. Why are you here at church this morning? Do you remember? Do you remember what God did in your life? Do you remember how He saved you? How He touched you? How He delivered you? Do you remember that? In a marriage, every now and then, you have to remember why you love that person. Otherwise, you want to kill him sometimes, right? I mean, not me. Obviously. We have to remember why we love the Lord. We have to remember that passion. Brothers and sisters, we cannot be that church. We cannot be that church who has forgotten who the Lord is. We have to hold up and line up everything we do with the Word of God. And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, we don't need to do it. Tonight, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to keep it to an hour. But we're going to pray, man. We're going to pray over these water pipes. We're going to pray over this city. We're going to pray over the devils attacking. We're going to pray. If you have a need, I encourage you to come tonight and let's pray together. Amen? Let's pray. We need to be that church that doesn't compromise. We need to be that church 
that doesn't allow the devil come in and to have his way. I know that we're not that church. I know that we're not. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to fight for it. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? I want to read one last verse with you as he starts the music for me. Remember, just again, what a great crowd this morning. What a great crowd. I got less than one minute. I'm going to try to hurry this along. Revelations chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. When I think about this scripture, I think about you. I think about you. Verses 4 and 5. We can go ahead and put that scripture up there. Thank you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Man, I just, I, I feel that's this church as long as we continue to pursue him. As long as we continue to pursue him. Verse 5. Here's what we're working towards. Verse 5. This is, it takes resolve to do this. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. There's doctrines out there that say that once you're saved, you're always saved, and you can never not be saved. But yet here we see that your name can be blotted out of the book of life. You were in there because you got saved, and then you were removed because of your lifestyle. Brothers and sisters, we have to work at this salvation. We have to work at serving Him. I know it seems like a hard message today, and hopefully you didn't take it that way. Hopefully you're encouraged. I just want you to know and I want you to feel that God is with you. I want to pray for you, then we're going to close. Close your eyes, please. We can go ahead and end the Facebook. Father, I pray that you help us to be a church, Lord, that serves you. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.